hello and welcome to the first episode of Bleacher Buds. My name is Johnny. I'm sitting here with Marson. Uh, we are sitting in Marson's apartment, which is down the street from Wrigley Field here in Wrigleyville, Chicago, Illinois. Um, you might be wondering what we're doing, why we're doing this, uh, why we decided to do this maybe. Um, just real quickly, uh, you might imagine both of us are lifelong Cubs fans, um, have talked about the Cubs as long as we've known each other since we met in college, has just always been something we've really bonded over, really enjoyed. Um, many like any Cubs friends games. would. Uh, many Cubs games. Many Cubs games as well. So we just felt like this was something we could put out into the world and the universe that we enjoy doing that we could share with others that might enjoy it as well. Um, so, Marson, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Marson. I live here in Wrigleyville and by down the street we mean we can literally throw a baseball and hit the sign that says Chicago Cubs on the bleachers. I grew up in the Lakeview area and spent many uh, many night games in the bleachers uh, out at Wrigley Field and I've been a Cubs fan since the Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire home run race in the late 90s and I remember walking around the streets of Chicago and looking at the newspaper stands and the Sun-Times booths and they had those two baseballs and I was always interested in what those numbers meant and my family actually my family actually moved here from Poland so I was the first one in my family born here in the United States and like many can probably imagine Poland uh, is not a big baseball type of country so I kind of had to learn the rules and the game and how it was played and the different statistics and baseball's a hard sport to pick up isn't it Johnny yeah 100% it's it's, it's beautiful and it's uh, unique and it is very precise and I think that's one of the reasons we both enjoy it as much as we do um, so that's a little bit of a background um, kind of on us I think it kind of also depicts the reason why we chose the name that we did for this podcast um, Bleacher Buds uh, if, I'm assuming you're a Cubs fan if you're listening to this, um, anybody out there, and if you're not, um, people in the bleachers uh, have been called bleachers bums for as, as long as I can remember my entire life. That's what, what my father always called them. Um, Those were so. the people that used to go out to the bleachers when the Cubs literally couldn't fill their stands at Wrigley Field because they were so bad. And it was guys that just sat out in the bleachers in drink old style and got drunk because there was literally nothing else to watch. Because we were the lovable losers, and that's that's what, what the Cubs were. Um, Things have changed. And they've, they've definitely changed. So uh, we decided Bleacher Buds was an appropriate name. Uh, we like it. We're going to run with it. And uh, we hope you like it, too. And if not, that's okay as well. Doesn't really fine. matter. Yeah, we're fine with that. We're yeah. we're we're Chicagoans. Cool. We we, um, we we've had people criticize all the time. Constructive criticism we're used is welcome. To it. Always. So uh I think that's enough about us per se. Um start talking about the things that matter here. Yeah, let's let's talk about the Cubs and, and what we both enjoy here. Uh so first on the docket here, so should probably talk about last year. Twenty twenty was a an interesting year for everybody and just Zoning in on the sports world, many sports were impacted by. There's a pandemic last year, right? Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's still happening. Yeah, I think I think that's still happening, and we played the least amount of games that the MLB has ever played in a calendar season before last year. So I think that's first and foremost. We should definitely bring attention to that fact. 
And the Cubs specifically, they finished first in the NL Central with a 34-26 and 26 record. What do you think about that, Johnny? That first-round playoff exit to the uh, to the Miami Marlins, throwing it back down to 0-3. Uh, slightly more familiar in the last few years um, than I would like it to be. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned it was 34-26 and 26 that they ended. I think it was kind of the same story that we've been seeing with the Cubs since uh, really the middle of the 2017 season. A um, lot of strikeouts. Not a lot of clutch hitting, um, not a lot of consistency from, I think, the core players that everybody expects consistency from. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, pitching has kind of carried this team, whether it be miraculously or not, um, the past few years as well. And I think that was more evident last year than ever with you, Darvish. Um, Kyle Hendricks, too. Kyle Hendricks ain't no slouch. Um, the professor out there... Um, Dropping dick, throwing games uh, very well. Alec um, Mills, Mr. No-Hitter out of nowhere. Alec No-No Mills. Uh, he's, he's earned that now. Um, he's definitely etched himself in history in a very weird year of baseball. And I think that is kind of just like, I think if you look at the Alex Mills No-No and then you look at the Chicago Cubs hitting in the playoffs last year, that is the perfect combination of what the Cubs have been the last few years. That was the quietest no-hitter I've ever seen in my life. Just nobody in the stands... I can only imagine what's going through the pitcher's head. Like, are you thinking about the fact that there's no fans? Is that impacting you? Are you a little? Are you able to play it a little bit cooler without the fans in the stands in a situation like that? I don't want to. I don't want to be mean, but like, looking at Alec Mills' picture and uh, just his like overall face and demeanor, he looks like too slow of a guy to be like distracted by that. Like, he just yeah. kind of looks like a guy that goes out and throws the ball and doesn't really think about much. Just goes out and does his job, I don't right? mean he's dumb, but he, he looks he looks like a simple dude. A simple guy who <laughs> likes to play baseball and happened to throw his first career no-hitter that nobody was expecting. And I think the guy is up on the up-and-up with the Cubs, and it allowed them to make some decisions heading into next year, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, that, that the Cubs were able to make some difficult decisions and uh we'll see where that takes the cubs and we'll we'll get to that in a few moments here so any stats that pop out to you Johnny, um, from last year any team stats any division stats that you kind of want to talk about here i know there's a few we talked about here before we started recording uh, i do want to preface this with also my disclaimer here that i think last year of 2020 obviously overall was kind of trash um but I want to explicitly state that I kind of throw out a whole lot of shit that happened last year in in baseball in general. Um, do you put an asterisk next to any of these stats from last year? I do just because this is the amount of time guys take to warm up. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a normal year, this is the time it takes for guys to warm up. And if you were to tell me that 60 games into the start of a regular 162-game season, the Chicago Cubs are 34-26 and 26, – I'll take it every day of the week. And then you're looking at you it, know? looking at it just over the course of a full regular season. MLB basically, you start at the end of March, early April. We played April and May. That was it. And that's where we cut the season and went straight yeah. to the playoffs. I mean, there's so much that happens over the course of a 162 game MLB season that I feel you have sub seasons within themselves. Yeah. So. I think 
I kind of throw out everything that happened last year. Um, something that I think is interesting, and we, we spoke about this a little bit earlier. Um, against teams that were better than 500 last year, the Cubs were 19 and 14. It sure as hell didn't feel like that watching them. No, um, it didn't. It's... Watching them, it didn't. Like, like pulling up the standings, like seeing that they were the fourth best team record-wise, win percentage-wise, rather, uh, in the National League behind the Dodgers, Padres, and, and Braves. Like, that's not something watching all the Cubs games I did last year, which was a majority of them almost. Um, I wouldn't have, like, said, like, that team plays like a fourth-place team. But they have, like, first-place talent on that roster. There was um, there was only one team that had more wins against teams that were over the record, over 500 last year. And that was the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Cubs finished the second. Tampa Bay Rays. Who finished second in Major League Baseball overall record-wise at 40-20. and 20. But you look at the Cubs that have 19 wins against teams over 500. And they're second in Major League Baseball tied with the Milwaukee Brewers who played uh, 10 more games against teams that had a record of over 500 went 19 and 24. And I think that if you watch the Cubs last year, Johnny, you, you know how many close games we had, how many games were won and lost by our bullpen. I think we had a few more lost than one. 100%. 100%. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I think, I think the base, I think from 2019 to 2020, the Cubs greatly improved winning games by one run. Um, Because in 2019, they were awful at winning games by one run. They they consistently lost games by one run late in the innings. Um, But I'd be curious to see what it was last year, but I feel like they did a little bit better. But even then, um, clutch hitting came up short in in the playoffs. And I think... I think it just went cold. I think on a microcosm, uh, looking at a 2020 perspective wasn't that great of a season and it's frustrating as hell because 2019 didn't end the way we wanted it to either neither did 2018 i feel Um, the cubs have spent the last few years just trying to recapture that magic yeah from 2016 and they're kind of like holding on to those core pieces and it's been four years now and they've tried to morph this team into something that they just weren't capable of being the last few years. I mean, ever since, yeah, basically the, the 2017 NLCS, um, when they lost to the Dodgers, um, just three straight years of very disappointing playoff exits. Uh, I don't, I also hate to be this person, but looking at Cubs history in a whole, and then kind of zooming in on the last seven years that we've been a part of seven, no, five, six, seven. Yeah. Roughly around there. Um, this has been some of the like best Chicago Cubs oh, consistent without a doubt. baseball. There's a period. The, there's um, a there's a period in my life where I didn't think I'd see the Cubs <laughs> win a World Series. I'm not even kidding. I I thought they were destined to lose on a year to year basis, and you know you you see what they did in in 2003. And they almost made the World Series and lost to the Marlins. I mean, it just for me as a young Cubs fan, that just I was like, I jumped on that wagon. Like, we're the lovable losers. All aboard that train, you know? No, yeah. I, I I don't think it was satisfactory. I want to get deeper into the playoffs. I want to have 
like as selfishly as a fan, I want like more excitement in the playoffs than like two fucking disappointing games where I'm just frustrated as hell. My team can't hit, and I'm watching this young like Miami Marlins team who's thirst. They were hungry, just having fucking fun, dude. They were having so much. They were hungry. They were hungry. They were high fiving each other out out in their dugout. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were just you could see it in their eyes. They had the T-shirts from like earlier in the season. Like, why not us? I think it was something like that. Like, they were proudly wearing that on their sleeves. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I and you have the Cubs who have that experience you've got core guys on this team who've been there done that and it was just it was amazing to watch some of these guys that you know they're they're poster boys for the cubs these these are some of the best cubs of all time they're gonna go down in history and you watch them come out there and just absolutely lay an egg on you i think that i think that pretty much sums up the thoughts on 2020 and their performance uh, to finish out the year, um, kind of like you said, they, they laid a big goose egg out there for us and, and, and didn't perform at home. At home, nonetheless, too. They were they were at Wrigley Field to, to just remind everybody that that's where they were and, and where they lost again. Um, kind of real disappointing. So It was um, so strange last year walking outside Wrigley Field's walls when there was a game being played. It just felt so spooky and eerie, and you know when 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 it was kind of for sure that they weren't going to advance in the postseason. I kind of took that last walk, you know, to listen to the organs, listen to the announcers, listen, you know, to some of these Cubs intro music. I mean, it was just a weird year. We're gonna put an asterisk on that one. I feel that baseball is a you know of all the sports they count stats the most and. There's definitely some anomalies that were going to happen last year that in a shortened season, you know, a lot of things got magnified on certain teams. They really not. And teams never really got that chance to to get their flow going. So moving on on our list here. We've got Theo Epstein, who resigned from his post as president of the Chicago Cubs. Yep, he left uh, president of baseball operations. He said that he was going to not sign with MLB and take time to be with his family and kick it and not be at the ballpark for the first time in, I think, 30-some-odd years and chill with his kids. And then that motherfucker took a spot with MLB anyways. Um, I forgot exactly what it is, but it's some kind of, like, consulting or, like, advisory He gets role. a pass. Um, he gets a pass. Yeah. He can lie to us. I don't care. All jokes. The guy jokes. The guy came in and said what he was going to do and then did it. Yeah. And he didn't just do this with one team who is cursed. If you believe in curses or not, that's up to you. But he did it with two teams. This guy came in and took two of... I don't want to call them the biggest failures of franchises in baseball because their franchises' histories are storied. I'd maybe say the most heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I, I'd go. I'd agree with you on that. I would not go as far as calling them failures, but the fact that he could do what he did and lead those teams to the promised land, Theo Epstein gets a pass in my book. He can spend all the time with his family. Oh yeah, or. <clears throat> Working for Major League Baseball as he wants at this point. He's earned it. The guy's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's he's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. Um, he's obviously a Cubs legend forever. Like, he won't ever buy a meal in Chicago again. Like, that's just... Oh, the beer's on me. That's going to you, be... You, 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 um, you come to Chicago, beer's on me. I don't know, man. Like, I think you and I both really can 
understand because for as long as we have been Cubs fans and and it's been about three decades for myself almost I'm, I'm, I'm 28 um, Theo Epstein was kind of the first time there was like a real like actual glimmer of like holy shit we have a plan we have a focus we have somebody who is like recognized in this game that has proven success and is willing to come here to the Chicago Cubs and like do what it is needed to rebuild this system and like the Ricketts like however people feel about them right now at the time like brought that person in and like exactly like you said like he was he was upfront and he was honest and not like very charismatic and he's kind of awkward and, and like geeky and nerdy but he was like honest with us and he told us like it's gonna suck for a little bit oh he did but we're gonna make this an attractive place to come and we're gonna get free agents and we're gonna win divisions and we're gonna go to the pennant and we're gonna bring a championship to chicago and they did it sooner than i think a lot of people thought they were going to i think there was a scent in the air when he was hired and he was saying all these things and I think what Johnny was alluding to in a nutshell was the Cubs, for the first time, made a competent hire. They hired somebody who's a proven winner, somebody who has been there and done that, and he's done it on the biggest stage for a big market like Boston. For that man, that's a seamless transition coming into Chicago. And this guy surrounded himself around his people. He wanted to do things his way. And as Johnny mentioned earlier, he outlined, this is going to suck for a few years. We're going to lose some games. But what was his priority when he first signed on with the Cubs? Build that farm system. And that those minor leagues for the Cubs, they homegrown, they homegrew all of this talent that ended up being part of that 2016 team. And that was beautiful. It was either a part of the 2016 team or they were used as assets to bring yeah. in other people for the 2016 and team. And he did it. I mean, the, he was he was the ringleader for this and deserves, you know, I won't say he deserves all the credit, but he deserves a damn lot of it. Yeah. I from mean, a, For a guy that was hired on in baseball as a public relations assistant for the Baltimore Orioles. For that guy to grow in his baseball career and mature in his baseball career, win World Series as a leader on the Red Sox. Come being, to Chicago and do kid, that. Just being a kid who loves loves baseball. baseball. He wasn't he he wasn't good enough to play it. So he was like, "How can I be in this shit?" His degrees in American studies. I mean, baseball's a part of American studies. The guy's a baseball lifer. The guy's like me and you oh, grew yeah. up watching baseball, loving baseball, and he ended up accomplishing more than I think anybody in a managerial type of role for front office in baseball could ever hope to accomplish. Dare I say uh, future Kamish Epstein? Epstein? I don't know about that. It's got a ring to it. I like it. I like it. Get get whatever the fuck his face is out We could here. do a whole nother episode on this current commissioner right now. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. A whole lot there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that seals it up pretty good about Theo. Um, so, love him. Gonna miss him, but go to the... Who is it? Who who else needs to win a championship right now? Seattle? Oakland? I got to go back in and look on that. Detroit? He should he should do it again somewhere is what I'm trying to say. He should oh, go, oh he should yeah. Go to the guy the team but be like, give me 10 years and I'm bringing you one. He doesn't shit. need to. He doesn't need to prove anything. He has nothing left to prove. No, but I just want to see it. 
Oh, totally. I, I, I mean, every, see it. <laughs> I, I, I want to see it too. The guy works magic. Anything he touches turns to gold. And that's, that's what happened. And, uh, and something that I think Theo Epstein had a lot of touch in, um, Jed Hoyer, obviously, I think. Um, the new sheriff kind of, in town. Kind of his right-hand man, his, his uh, yeah, right-hand man, um, second in command with him uh, over in Boston for a while, came over to the Chicago Cubs with him. Um, Jed Hoyer is, uh, as officially this offseason, the new president of baseball operations. Um, and I guess kind of like, how do you how do you feel about him so far? I guess he hasn't, we obviously haven't had a full season. It's also still the pandemic. Yeah. Um, he's working in a weird budgetary constraint situation so the what, entire league is quote unquote i guess for i guess all these billionaires are broke all of a sudden um yeah it's starting what, to hurt their what are your too. what are your feelings on like jed hoyer so far um, so the first point that i want to make is i want to i want to talk about two dates one date is october 13th 2011 and that's the day the hub the cubs hired theo epstein as their president of baseball operations 13 days later, October 26, 2011, the Cubs hired Jed Hoyer from the San Diego Padres organization. They were under contract with another team, and Theo Epstein says, I want my guys here. And what Cubs fans need to realize is that these two worked hand in hand. I mean, these, these two worked side by side for, for 10 years. Uh, as, with the Cubs, not talking about previous professional relationship that they had with other teams. But Jed Hoyer was the Cubs GM all this time. And working with President Theo Epstein, these two, there was not many decisions that both of them weren't very involved with amongst themselves. I think, I think he's better than hiring someone external right now. Yeah, I think I think I think Jed Hoyer now is at a position in his career where he wants to take things to the next level in terms of working in the front office. And I would much rather have the guy who whose tenure started 13 days after Theo Epstein was hired for this whole rebuild, for this whole wonderful experience that Cubs fans have gotten to see. He's the right man for the job. Uh, he's definitely got some tough decisions to make moving forward. And with another year here where the Cubs are kind of in limbo and flux, you really, you're holding on to that past, but you're also trying to think and plan for the future as well. I think that when Theo, Theo had a year left on his contract, right? And Theo himself said, as he exited was that there's too many important decisions to be made here at the current moment and he wants the next person in charge to have a hand in those decisions yeah, yeah, which... that he, that he didn't want his, his fingerprints on this team any more than what was necessary because he did his job. And why, and he, I think he said it really well when he mentioned, why would he make decisions for this team that are going to affect them for the next four or five, six, seven years yeah. <clears throat> when he's not going to be here for that? Um, the person Ex that's going to exactly. be in charge of people that are going to be around for most of that, he said, should be here to make those decisions. Um, I've been uh, kind of keeping tabs on uh, like Jed Hoyer news and like interactions and stuff like that, interviews. And I, I, I think he's doing the best he can with just like a weird situation that's happening. Um, I think I like his Theo Epstein was very um, 
he's very well spoken. Um, I think he was able to say things very well, but I think he also was very intentional about the way he said things, and it almost always felt pretty calculated, um, which was good because I appreciated the like um, straightforwardness of it and like calculation of it. But it with Jed Hoyer, metic- it takes a meticulous man to win the World Series. True. Um, I I feel like with Jed Hoyer, though, I'm getting a little bit more just like natural reaction kind of responses or like he just portrays that a little bit better um something that i think is really interesting um chris bryan has been here in the organization the entire time um with theo epstein at the helm and i and like my memory just might be short but like i don't really remember chris bryan being as like praising of theo epstein as he was about jed hoyer a few days ago when he was talking about how like open and communicative Jed Hoyer has been and how like honest and just straightforward about trade rumors he's been and like how he's come to him and discussed things and like debunked a whole bunch of different shit um and all that stuff and I I thought that was really interesting because like in the full interview with Chris Bryant he really did kind of like focus on that more than a few times and I just thought it was interesting that he thought it was like a, a a big enough point to bring up a couple of times to like make sure kind of either people knew it or that like he to kind of like poo-poo the people out there that were like making all these rumors and stuff and basically just being like, fuck you guys. Like I knew from the horse's mouth it wasn't true. Um, well, Chris Bryan has some beef with Cubs ownership. Right. And like that's the thing. It feels there's, like he there's, has there's, there's, it feels some, like he has less there. it feels like he has less beef with Jed Hoyer. Yeah. Than he maybe had been soured a little bit more by like Epstein or maybe just the Ricketts in general. There was but, the whole years of service debacle yeah. with Chris Chris Bryan couple years ago and that affected his payout that that affected his future contract and he felt it in his wallet and i you know i wasn't the guy back in that room you know involved in these conversations but boy would i love to be a fly on the wall in some of those conversations with chris bryant's agents and cubs management young chris boris chris scott scott boris scott boris scott moneybags boris um I mean, the guy gets his, and he gets his his guys oh, yeah, his. Um, so yeah, I think Judd Hoyer has a a lot to to do in front with him. I think it's a I think it's an interesting challenge, um, a unique challenge for him, a much different challenge than the rebuild they did back starting in twenty eleven. Um, but my prediction is that he's probably going to do pretty well the next few years. But you know what? The Cubs are going to continue to do pretty well, and I think they're going to re-sign him. And I think the years twenty eleven through twenty thirty one will have. Theo Epstein and uh, Jed Hoyer's mark across it for for the Cubs franchise. Um, All right. So I think the Jed Hoyer has a lot better of a roster to work around right now than what Theo Epstein inherited in 2011. And I just looked this up really quick. But I think the expectations are real different. Here's some here's some. Oh, definitely. Here's some of the Cubs players that were around the year that the season before Theo Epstein was hired. So here's a blast from the, here's a blast from the past. Marlon Bird. Marlon Bird. B-Y-R-D. Giovanni Soto. Oh man. Jeff Samarja. Yo, he went on to actually continue pitching pretty well for a couple teams. Yeah, Not he, for very yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, he did. But he did I. Matt Garza. Wellington Castillo. 
Man, can I just say that Mark Garza is a perfect encapsulation of the moves pre-2011 Cubs tried to fucking make? (laughs) Matt Garza. That guy was so hyped up to come over and be the next big big thing, and it just didn't happen. Starlin Castro was the gem on that Cubs roster, by the way. He's turned out to be a real good player. And that was one of Theo's first really big moves. Yeah, Starlin just slaps the ball around everywhere. Yeah. Like, consistently. It's awesome. And... We had Carrie Wood on that roster. Remember the Carrie Wood comeback tour? You got Ryan Dempster, Kosuke Fukudome, Aramis Ramirez. Fuck you, do me. Carlos Zambrano, Alfonso Soriano. Here come the heavy hitters from that. <laughs> so you know what? Looking back on this team, Darwin Barney. I mean, this was a Cubs team. Put some respect on the short man's name. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Some of these guys were past their prime. Oh, yeah. Some of these guys, you know, Alfonso Soriano was wrapping up what seemed to be a 30-year contract with the Cubs, which which was, that's a whole oh, other conversation on it. So it felt like 30 years. You had Carlos Zambrano kind of on the tail end of his career. Aramis Ramirez, one of the all-time great Cubs, kind of starting to tail off a little bit. I forgot what game it was, but I was at a game with Zambrano. I in Milwaukee, but I was sitting on the Cubs dugout side and Zambrano got kicked out of the game and like blew up on the field. But because we were sitting behind the dugouts, we couldn't see him like smash everything in the dugout. Was oh, that we were just going off on the Gatorade, yeah. uh, the Gatorade yeah, coolers? I was at that game. Oh, yeah. that was, that yeah, was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so you just remember these, you remember the emotions that Carlos Zambrano had. I mean, that oh. guy, that guy. Yeah, go. I heard that he they threw, they got that they got that baseball league up in Rosemont right now, and I heard he was pitching yeah, for them. He, uh, I don't know if that's still a thing or not, but go check the guy out. Another fun fact in this blast from the past about the Cubs, Carlos Zambrano. I'm pretty sure it was who threw the no hitter in Milwaukee yeah. against the Astros. It was a home game, and for it was the Cubs. a home game because Wrigley Field yeah. North. Yeah. Exactly. Wrigley Field North. I don't think they could accommodate it at Wrigley Field for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't and it, why. it it worked out that we went up to Milwaukee, and that's the Wrigley Field North reference that uh, I think Legend was born that day. Go ahead and throw a no hitter at home in one of your biggest opponent stadiums. Like, were we playing at home, or was it because the Astros were at home? Was I think the Astros were home. Were they the home team? In they that? were the home team. Which okay. Is why we weren't in Chicago? Okay. We couldn't play in Houston. There it is. There, yeah, there, there it is. There it is. Okay. Cool. That might be that might be a, a fun segment we can revisit moving forward. Blast from the past, <laughs> Cub style. That was fun. Um, All right. Cool. So looking on to other offseason news stuff. It um, wasn't a whole lot of it. Not on the positive side, at least. I don't know. You know, as fans, we always kind of like try to drink the Kool Aid at some point in time. <laughs> and when I drink the Kool Aid about these transactions, I like start to really hype myself up about this Cubs team. But then like. I kind of sleep on it for a day, and then I look at it again the next morning, and I'm like, yeah, this this team might be in the same spot it was last year. I feel this is like a three-year-old making Kool-Aid for you, where they just put way too much sugar into it, <laughs> and you take a sip of it, and you're just like, is, is, uh, oh my god, this is awful. But they're like a three-year-old kid, and you don't want to hurt their feelings. Is Arietta so, the sugar here? I think Arietta is the sugar. I think Johnny got my reference uh, really quick here. That didn't take long at well. So, Okay. Well, let's 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 go ahead and look at some uh, who, who some de- we, some departures. Yeah, who did anymore? who did we lose? Who did we say goodbye to? We said goodbye to uh, John Lester. Definitely, we we obviously lost um, Lester. We thank you for of, your service. It was kind of weird the way we lost him. Um, guy should have been a Cub. Because I mean, yes, but also like maybe no. 
Um, like, I get the whole, like, respect aspect. Like, he's a legend, and, like, he came here and kind of... Like, he solidified in 2015 that the Cubs were, like, now a contender. Um, and, like, that was great. But at the same time, like, he did not pitch very well at the end of 2019. He didn't pitch very well at all last year. Um, he keeps losing velocity on his fastball. He is not able to rely on his cutter as much as he used to. He says, so um, he said that at, at this twilight of his I career... Don't, I don't feel like... I don't know if John Lester, like, in all honesty, was the best person to be our four or five starter. And, like, I could be wrong about that. I could be dead-ass wrong about this at the end of the year. Like, he could be way better than everybody really thinks he's going to be. He's he's going to be out there pitching with Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, right? Bro, they got the old daddy crew over there. Yeah. And who else is there? Um, They got three guys. It's Scherzer... Washington Nationals. Who's going to win the race? Death chart. But, uh... Okay. So you're looking at Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, John Lester is projected fourth on that, on that starting five. And then Austin Voth. Would 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 John Lester be a number four on the Cubs? I think he'd be better that better on the Cubs. He's not starting over Hendricks. He's not starting over Arietta. He's not starting over he's Jake not, Arietta. He's not starting over. Davies. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. no way. He's not. No way. Why would he? John Lester, a hundred percent, would start ahead of Jake Arietta. I don't know, man. Like, I think after spring training, you know why? John Lester wouldn't be you know starting why? ahead of him. You know why he would? Because he's a lefty, and the Cubs don't have a lefty in their starting That's five true. right now. That's true. Had to go in on you there. <laughs> so, we lost them. Uh, we lost Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber's gone. Basically, Albert, basically traded for Peterson. Al, we traded Schwarber a few years too late if they were really intending on trading him all along. Yeah. Could have gotten so much more for Kyle Schwarber a few years back. And 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 he just never felt like... It felt like they were forcing him to be a player that he was never going to be on the Cubs. He came in to the Cubs organization as a catcher. People forget that. He came in as a catcher. He's the backup catcher on the Cubs. Tears his ACL. Comes back in that World Series run. I mean, the guy was a legend. Cubs, he's a Cubs legend. He's, Very he's, true. he's one of those, like, urban Cubs legends. Like, in the grand scheme of things, probably isn't going to be one of the most remembered Cubs of all time. But he left a mark in his time here. But then the Cubs started playing him in left field. The Cubs started... You know, depending on him to do things that they really didn't sign him on to do to begin with. Yeah. They wanted him to swing yeah. the bat. Yeah. They wanted his bat, I think, right? I think it's the biggest I asset. Think if the, I think if there was a DH this year, the Cubs would have They would have kept him. And I think 100%. that DH last year prolonged the inevitable. Yeah. And they yeah. definitely lost out on some value because they didn't make that move two or three years ago. I when they should have. Um, we also lost... We also lost Tyler Chatwood. We lost Jose Quintana. Uh, we lost Jeremy Jeffers. We lost Billy Hamilton, Jason Kipnis, uh, Josh Fledgley. Kip. 
Um, Andrew Chafin left and then got re-signed again, so like he he kind of left, but like kind of didn't. Um, Daniel Descalzo is also somebody that left, um, but Ian Happ or not Happ, um, Bodie and Horner are gonna battle for the second base position. So didn't really need Daniel Descalzo. He didn't perform all that well, anyways. Um, and honestly, I really think that's like the biggest departure free agency wise. Uh, because obviously if we're talking entire departures, um, we traded you Darvish, obviously. Um, that's, that's the big one right there. You traded your bell cow starting pitcher, your number one guy that you were depending on, who was a Cy Young candidate last year. He finished runner up in Cy Young voting. Um, I think the Cubs are betting on you, Darvish, downtracking from here on out. Definitely. I think the historics on normal pitchers, and I put normal in a very big, bold phrase because you, Darvish, is anything but a normal pitcher. Yeah. Um, first of all, you, Darvish, is a fucking darling. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, like, I don't even have a Twitter, and I check you, Darvish's Twitter because it's, it's just fucking golden. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's awesome. Love you, Darvish. Um, but the guy's I, going back west. I think I think they're betting on him just not doing that well. I think the Cubs also were pretty, and like this is really shitty of me to say, but I think it was like nice of them to send Victor Caratini with you, Darvish, because like that's his personal catcher. Yeah, like his personal catcher, and like I don't I don't know the struggles, and I never will know the struggles of not being able to speak like the like native language somewhere comfortably enough to not use an interpreter. So like to have some to like kind of send that person that like really enhances you Darvish's success I think is really cool for the Cubs to do they didn't necessarily need Victor Carantini either um I loved him I think he was a great great fit for the Cubs um but I think they're gonna kick ass that over in San Diego that interpreter comment that you made just reminded me that I was basically my parents interpreter growing up <laughs> they didn't speak much English so you know those situations are difficult for people Right. And I can imagine him coming, you know, to the United States, not really knowing the language. And, you know, I don't I don't know if he's necessarily gotten better or not. I've heard he has. Yeah. Right. And I just he might not feel that confidence to speak English. And all this, and that, that's, and all this, that's, that's all a thing he got after, like, the Dodgers World Series and the fact that the like the Astros are fucking cheating. The Astros like, were cheating and, and they got into this man's head. Like, yeah, and that's why he so. struggled as much as he did, I feel, for a couple of years. And I feel that the Cubs caught, you know. Caught a fire in a flash pan. What, what, what's, man, I'm, I'm not saying it right. They caught grease in a hot pan or something like that? Something like that. What is, oh, man. A hot flash in a pan, I Hot think. flash in a pan, that's yeah. what it is. There we go. Um, and, and they caught that with them last year, and they wanted to capitalize on that value. But look at the return that we got for them. What do you think of that? Bro, it's garbage. We got, like, a fucking... We got a sack of peanuts. We got a graduating high school core. Like, we, we got, got a sack of peanuts and an In-N-Out burger we, like, from, the, from, the, from the Padres. Who or was not, it? From um, the Padres. We get uh, Reginaldo Preciado. We get Yison Santana, uh, Ishmael Menya, and Owen Cassie. Um, none of them very highly touted. None of them were within, I think... Like even the top like fifty of the Padres prospects organization like this was Jed's move right? Yes, this was Jed yeah. Hoyer's first big move um, in his new role. Yeah, and it was also before the Cubs got that weird salary increase all of a sudden that was reported. Um, I, it was first reported by by David Kaplan on ESPN. Um, so I like, take that for however you want to take it, but. Um, 
after that, the Cubs did start signing a couple of people and did add a few more pieces. Uh, Jock Peterson was a part of that. Um, they signed Workman. They signed Andrew Chafin. Tapera, they just recently signed again. Um, Tapera, I think, might be actually a, a good bounce-back player this year. Um, but, yeah, we basically got peanuts, like you, you know, said. You know and who else we brought back? I think when I think when people get four prospects, you hope one hits. And oh, I, definitely, I, and, definitely. I, and I don't even think one of these guys might hit because it's it's such a long shot for each one of them. Too soon to tell, but I feel that as a Chicago sports fan or like a big market sports fan in general, you tend to want things faster because your team has more money. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're really not going to be able to judge the trade for a few years. And that's generally what ends up happening in baseball. True. true. Note the, you know, the, the LA trade. The Cubs White Sox trade for Quintana. You know, you, you go back to that, and did you really know Eloy was going to be what he was going to be? Hey, hey, hey. Anytime somebody wants to talk shit about the Cubs trading away Eloy Jimenez, I'm going to remind everybody that the White Sox traded away Fernando Tatis Jr. That's fair. And, and that boy just got a fucking bag in San Diego. Yeah, So, did. tit for tat on that one. Yeah, yeah. But you, you want to you wanna avoid those. You know, you want your organization, you you want their best interest in mind going into the future. And I feel that the Cubs could have gotten more. I, I, I don't know if there were other teams they were talking to. I don't know if there was other offers that were being made. But I think what's more frustrating about it is the fact that after... This happened. The Cardinals fucking robbed the Rockies blind for Nolan Arenado. Um, but I the think the Cardinals are gunning for it this year. By the way, they're not messing around. Yeah, I mean, they're not. But like, I don't. They've they're, re-signed. They're always good. Some of their lifers. They they Yadier, Wainwright. They've re-signed some of these lifers in hopes that they got one last run in them. And they're gunning for it this year. Absolutely. Um, That's the Cubs' number one threat. IMO this year in the division race. As has been for the last 10 years. Absolutely. Um, Get the Brewers coming in there every once in a while, but I think the Cardinals are still still our bigger rival until uh, still we see some more from the Brewers. We had the Red Stockings in there last year. Young Cincinnati. Um, so, so you know, kind of got into the weeds, I think, with, with that trade, um, but... Who did we sign? Who did we now brought back? Get? The savior, the former Cub, Pedro Strope. <laughs> we weren't expecting that one, were you? No. No, you were not. You were expecting Jay Garrietta. The Cubs bring back, well, well, we could talk about Pedro Strope in a sec, but the Cubs bring back Jake the Snake Arietta. He was the ace on that 2016 World Series team. He was. The last the Chicago heart. Cub to record a playoff win for the Cubs. That's that's a that's a bringing back those memories right 2017, there. 2017, That's something the Cubs haven't done in a few years. But Jake Arrieta left the Cubs to play with the Philadelphia Phillies last few years. Not the best place for him to be. He posted in 2018 31 games, 138 strikeouts. 10 wins, 11 losses with a 3.96 ERA. And I'm going to go ahead and start focusing on this ERA right now. In 2017, his last year with the Cubs, Jake Arrieta had a 3.53 ERA. The next year with the Phillies, 
a 3.96 in 2019, a 4.64 ERA. In 2020, Jake Arrieta in nine games posted a 5.08 ERA with the Phillies. Is this a guy that you're bringing in to replace you, Darvish? No, no. Um, I think I think this is a guy that um, the like the Cubs are good. The Cubs, as we mentioned kind of earlier, like the Cubs are good with their pitching. The Cubs are able to kind of, and I think this is a I think this is a strategy the Cubs are taking on this year, where they're trying to take a lot of pitchers that are kind of meh just meh all right guys or maybe they've like been good before and they've been kind of meh recently and they're, they're hoping a few of them are going to click um you know who was one of those pitchers none other than jake arietta himself before he came to the Cubs. precisely he was a project he was one of those pitchers that posted in 2011 with the orioles a 5.05 era then in 2012 a 6.20 and in 2013, the last year before he became a Cub, he had a 7.23 ERA. Albeit, I know he had some injury issues. There's definitely some injury concerns. And the guy comes into the Cubs in 2013 and completely bucks that trend. Had his best year in 2015 with a 1.77 ERA. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. If the Cubs can get half of what Jake Arrieta used to be, as a number three projected starting pitcher in their rotation this year, I think that that's as much as they could ask for him, and they'd be happy to get that. I think the Cubs also have a better pitching coaching staff and like pitch lab setup than the Phillies. Um, I think the Philadelphia bullpen from last year shows that. Um, horrendous, like historically bad bullpen. Um, and if you look at pitch, if you look at Jake Arrieta's pitch mix by season um 2016 uh 44% slider 20% fastball 12% curveball 4% changeup um he goes to the Phillies sinker jumps up to 61% so literally half of his pitches are sinkers if i'm a hitter going against Jake Arrieta who now has a slider that's maybe lost a mile or half a mile of speed as a as a hitter, I'm sitting sinker here. I'm trying to drive that. You're ball. teeing off on that. Exactly. Ball. I'm with launch angle now. Like, dude, I'm teeing off on these sinkers. If you're throwing that 61 percent of the time, I'm gonna be right at some point. How many men are on base too? Is this guy's pitching? His fastball dropped to two percent usage in 2017. Just stopped using it entirely. His what? So his fastball. 2016, he used it 20 percent of the time. 2017, he used it two percent of the time. So, so what you're saying I is think, if if he can go back to that pitch pitch mix. That worked for him when he was a Cub. Maybe not that same pitch mix, but I think the Cubs are going to be able to better... I think the Cubs are going to make his pitch mix more efficient than what Philadelphia was doing or whatever he was working on in Philadelphia. And I think that Jake Arrieta still has the stuff and just, like, the, like wherewithal within himself to do well as a performer that he's going to be able to figure it out a little bit with the Cubs. And I, I, I do think like Jake Arrieta is going to have a little bit better of a season in Chicago than I think a lot of people are anticipating. As long um, as he gets some of that run support that the pitchers didn't really have last year. Yeah. When you exactly. have, when you have Jason Hayward leading your team in adding batting average, when you have guys like Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, El Mago, Javi Baez, that just says how completely these these marquee players for the Cubs, no pun intended, how they over they underperformed last year. Absolutely. Um, 
I think that's kind of why they got Werder Schorber. Um, I think they're, I think the front office is realizing that they maybe kept this core together a little bit longer than they should or wanted to. Um, are trying to maybe switch that up a little bit now. Um, and I think, I think also bringing Jake Arietta back in. And I, I think we had this conversation before I saw the report um, come out. Uh, the other day, um, I'm on MLB, but um, it, they were talking about how Jake Arietta, like as soon as he got to camp, went straight up to Albert Alzale or Albert Alzale, um, and was like, "Hey, I see that you love pitching. I see that you're a fucking gamer. Stick with me, and I'm gonna make sure you do well. And like, I'm gonna teach you everything I can. And whether you need something personally, professionally, pitching, whatever it is, I got your back." So, he's, um, so the Cubs are banking on Jake Arietta to come back. Be a serviceable number three starter and be a mentor to these young pitchers. Exactly. They they do have some young guns up and coming. And, and I think I, they've got some guys think, on the horizon that that could be good. Exactly. I think if they can get some guys in there, and they already have great fucking dudes like Anthony Rizzo and Jason Hayward. You know what I mean? Like great veteran team guys. Presence, team, you know what I mean? Team guys that are going to just like show people like Nico Horner and Adbert Alzale and Alec Mills. This is and how you be a Braylon pro. Marquez. How to like be a pro and approach your game and do well. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a blast from the past seeing Jay Carrietta out there on the mound. I'm so fucking excited. And I that's, hope that's, that, that's 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 gonna be his first start back. I hope. His and there's and there's sick. there's there's talk of fans in the stands at Wrigley this year yeah. in Chicago yeah. and 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 down you know for for that other team that plays in the American League. But pod me up, baby. Man, imagine a full stadium of Cubs fans out there when he throws that first pitch back in his Cubs uniform. I mean that. We're gonna miss a little bit of that this year, but this guy's gonna be fun to watch. I hope he I hope he can come out and have that serviceable year and just be that number three starter. We don't need you to be that bell cow anymore. We're gonna lean on some of these younger guys to do that for us, but I don't know about that. I'm still a little skeptical about letting go of a guy like you, Darvish, letting go of a guy like Jose Quintana, who admittedly couldn't stay healthy with the Cubs. And you bring back a guy like Jake Arrieta and kind of want to go to the fans and say, hey, you know, we've we've replaced these guys with this guy. I just, I don't see it like that. And I don't mean to, you know, to throw disrespect at Jake Arrieta, but there's been some questionable moves. I mean, the Cubs, I said this earlier, they do not have a left-handed pitcher in their starting five. That's a problem. Teams are going to recognize that. And they're gonna they're gonna load up lefties against these Cubs starting pitchers, and that could come back and bite you. And 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 I don't know who else you know the Cubs could have gotten or who they were talking to, but they didn't even bring in a guy that throw lefty. That what do you think about that? Um, I think it kind of goes in tune with the idea that they're gonna really just try to piece together um, the bullpen after starters. Um, I don't think they necessarily – I don't think this is going to be the same pitching rotation we see at the end of the year, um, which is kind of an obvious statement to say. But, it's usually the case. Um, I don't think it was just necessarily not wanting you, Darvish. I think it was also trying to get rid of you, Darvish, for, like, future. Um, and shut Because I don't, I don't think the Cubs are – they're not just shedding salary for you, Darvish, this year. They're shedding you, Darvish's salary through 2023. Yeah. Um, $22 million this year, $19 million next year, $18 million the year after that. So that's money that the Cubs have now freed up 
Um, I, I, I hope we get Javi Baez. I hope we can extend him. I, I hope he can perform better and we can extend him. But if we don't, the shortstop class next year looks fucking tight. So, like, if we have... If we have what is it here like twenty? If we have nineteen more million dollars to spend on a free agent shortstop next year, and because we can't resign Javier Baez, then like, so long you Darvish. Um, because I again, I don't think you Darvish will necessarily perform consistently as well as he did last year for the next three years straight. And Javi Baez had he's one he's labeled as one of these guys that had a down year last year, and I totally agree with these people that say that and. It's hard to set those expectations in a 60-game season and expect the player to perform in those 60 games because baseball is a game of streaks. It's, you know, players get hot, players get cold, and that roller coaster happens throughout the season for, for, for all players. I mean, you, you've got guys that play well for a couple weeks and then a couple weeks they're down. And I think a lot of what hurt Javi Baez last year was a rule change where you couldn't go back and look at your at-bats on video in the middle of a game. And Javi went on you know, on the record speaking about that, not making excuses for him, and he wasn't making excuses for himself, but he wasn't allowed then to make those in-game adjustments versus the starting pitcher. And I think that hurt him last year. You can ask any baseball player, and like, as, ask any baseball player, routine is key. Um, and if, it if, you've, if you've come up through the system and, and playing consistently where you can check that video and you can check out that stuff to like adjust on the fly, like fucking up and ruining that routine is, is going to throw some people off more more than it throws others. And you can sit here and make the argument of whether or not like that's something that should hinder a player or not. And I know like a lot of old heads are going to say like, well, that's why they shouldn't use the video in the first place. And like, should just have to like go up there and like do the damn thing and, and hit the ball three out of 10 times and, and be great. No, you need um, to embrace technology. Exactly. You and, need to embrace and, that now. And in my opinion, with the way pitchers have improved over the last five, 10 years with velocity and using pine tar and the way that they can throw pitches and the way that pitchers are used in specialized situations and bullpens are used and starters are used. Advanced like, metrics. Like, it's versus so, batters it's so like well, bliss never ends yeah so i mean like the batters need a little bit of help too exactly so um yeah uh who else did we sign we have pedro uh, strope pedro strope is back on a minor league deal prepare um, for a lot of balls out on wavelength i love his swag i love his swag that's for sure um i hope his swag turns into a good performance um, again, I think it just kind of further backs up my position. The Cubs are really hoping that some meh pitchers are going to be a little bit better. Um, I don't. Again, I think that the free agent classes coming up in the next couple of years are good enough to where the Cubs are maybe going to want to spend there and don't necessarily want to do much right now. Um, I know that's not what I want to hear. I know it's not what really anybody wants to hear as a Cubs fan. Um, we, I think the Rickets have enough money. We should be competitive every year. Um, There's no excuse. I, not I know that the Rickets are also trying not to be in the luxury tax this year again. So like. I also understand that from, like, the logistical standpoint of it. Um, you know what the Ricketts are doing in Wrigleyville? They're building up hotels, baby! They're putting in a lot of money into this neighborhood. You know, I, I, I first moved in this neighborhood 16 years ago. And when you walk by Clark and Addison 16 years ago versus what you see now, oh, yeah. it's completely different. I mean, the Ricketts buying the Cubs organization from the Wrigley organization 
or the with the Wrigley Company, whatever they were called. The Tribune. The Tribune. Gotta edit that out. <laughs> uh, the Tribune. I mean, you saw these changes being made, but now I think the last five years with like Gallagher way out on Clark and Edison and seeing concerts out in front of Wrigley Field and, you know, ice skating rinks and Chris Kindle markets out there. I mean, hotels are being built up. There's a new Harley Davidson, you know, shop on the corner. I feel like they've invested a lot of money out into the neighborhood as well, which, yes, is great for the community. But you got to put the money into the baseball team. I mean, you're 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 leading that team. You don't want to turn into the McCaskies. You don't want to turn into the Bears ownership. That's very right? true. You, you don't want to go down that road. You want to stay competitive as long as possible. And especially when you're in a major market, when you're selling out games, when you're getting all this revenue from fans and Cubs merch, the Cubs are not in bad shape financially. And I don't think there's any excuse, you know, if if you don't want to go into the luxury tax, you better be damn sure you're not going to be competitive that year because I don't want this wishy-washy 500 ball or kind of like the situation that the Bears are in, right? Where you have an or, you know ownership that doesn't want to spend money and you have this team that kind of sits at 8-8 eight and eight hell all year, every year. And I don't want to see the Cubs become that. I want to see them be that marquee team in the National League Central. Every year, they're expected to win that division. I agree. Yeah. Um. One more addition that I know Johnny wants to talk about. The replacement for Kyle Schwarber. I was a big Kyle Schwarber fan. I don't know about you, Johnny. I love the guy's swag. I loved his walk-up music for, for, for his at-bats. I mean, he gave off a vibe. He was a fucking ball player, man. He he was a ball. Player. He's an old school ball player. Um, in, was, in a modern, yeah, yeah. in a modern society, he came up as a catcher, blew out his knee, was like, "I'll be outfield, I'll do whatever." I just guy hit bombs. Yeah, dude, shore bombs. Shore bombs. I'm gonna miss shore bombs. I mean, there's baseballs they're still looking for that R- this man has hit. R.I.P. to shore bombs. Man. I mean, some of those against against the Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> before the Cubs won that World Series the year before. Then, I mean, th- those were just monstrous hits. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, guy, the guy's gonna be missed. Bringing in his uh, basic, basically just trading like the same person, essentially, uh, Jock Peterson. Um, young Jack in the house. Uh, don't know if a lot of people will get that reference. Hip hop. Um, but no, yeah, I think, I think I, I read a really good piece that Jack Peterson wrote in, um, the Players Tribune, which was really cool. Um, he talked about how he felt like it was time for him to go on from LA and wanted to come to Chicago. And, um, like he said himself that he wanted to come play for Chicago because he felt like this was a place he could get everyday starts which Chicago's said they're, they're going to give him. Oh, he Typically, will. he was only playing against right-handers, really. Um, <clears throat> the I guy mean, has pop in his if, bat. He, he's not a bad player. The I mean, guy he, has 2015, pop. 2016, 3.1 and 3.5 war. Last year in 2019, or 2019 uh, was a 3.0 war player as well. Last year didn't, didn't do so great. Um, but, I mean, pretty consistent numbers throughout. I mean, yeah, basically, like I said, just... A good trade for the same as Schwarber. I think his defense is maybe a little bit better than Schwarber's. Um, Check this out. In games that Jock Peterson, or in seasons where Jock Peterson 
has had more than 137 games played in that 162-game year, he has hit for over 25 home runs each year. Each year. And he's done that one, two, three, four times already in his career. And he has been a pro for seven years. You have one pandemic-shortened season last year where he really hit for a horrid average. I'm going to let that slide. He hit 190. He, he was also benched out. He only played 43 games. Yeah, he only played 43 out of the possible 60 games. He just, it seemed like his time there was up and he needed a fresh start. And I think that that's what we ended up doing here is we traded a guy like Kyle Schwarber who needs a fresh start. I mean, there's no DH this year. Kyle Schwarber was a guy that should be a DH in the American League at this point in his career. Oh, yeah. Guy should be swinging the bat and just worried about swinging the bat and not playing in the outfield. The guy's not fast enough to play in the outfield. He's made great strides, but I think that it was time to move on. And this guy's he replaces some of that pop that Schwarber brought to the table. Maybe not as, you know, maybe he doesn't hit him 500 feet like Schwarber did, but the guy definitely deserves a shot. Yeah, I definitely remember home runs and hits that he's had against us and like just it always felt like whenever the Cubs and Dodgers played and Jock Peterson came up in a big moment like he he came through I had that like salt still when they signed him yeah I was like really that guy like F that guy like I don't want him on the Cubs I think he'll perform well I think he'll look good in a Cubs uniform as well I don't know how many people actually care about that welcome to Chicago John Um, yeah and he's excited to be here and I think that's really cool too that like he chose to like be here he he got more money from other teams um, more longer years and and decided to come here and was kind of taking a chance on himself and I like players who bet on themselves because I'm a I'm a player guy fuck owners Um, so yeah I think that pretty much wraps up who we signed. Um, I mean, we re-signed Cameron Mayburn to a minor, minor league deal. We have uh, Workman, uh, who was in Boston. He, again, just fits that narrative of mad pitchers we think will be good. Not a lot of bullpen moves, Johnny. No, not too many. And that was one of the Cubs' biggest weaknesses last year, was that bullpen. And the, I think the Cubs are really banking on Craig Kimbrell to figure out his pitch. Figure out his delivery. There's something wrong last year. The bullpen has the pieces to be average, which is, like, probably not what we want to hear or what we want to know. But, like, I think they have a chance to be average. I think their ceiling is, like, slightly above average. If Workman and Kimbrough can both, like, hit back to the magic that they both have had in recent years and be able to perform at that level... Like, that one-two punch in the eighth, ninth inning will be fucking killer. And as long as we can get one more guy to kind of, like, perform well this year so that we can have seven, eight, nine kind of locked up and maybe, like, one or two guys we can sprinkle in here or there, the sixth and maybe end of the fifth sometimes, like... Do you think... I think we're good, but, again, a lot of that is going to rely on, like, how... And, and this is just baseball right now, but how dependable the back end of our bullpen is going to be is really going to, I think, to help shape how reliable the middle of our bullpen is going I think if you're the Cubs right now you do not want to have a 200 inning pitcher this year do you no I don't think so um I don't think if you want to go deep into the playoffs they necessarily want anybody going that far um unless like 
Unless Hendricks looks like he did a couple of years ago and is just... I see Hendricks maybe surpassing 200, but that's the only guy in that Cubs projected rotation right now that I could see even potentially sniffing 200 innings. Yeah. And that's if the guy is on, right? And the Cubs need him to stay on. It's a tight game. They might not really want to throw it in the hands of the bullpen, but this bullpen needs to step it up this year. We can't have our starters jacking up their innings when you're trying to make the postseason, when you're trying to compete in the postseason. You can't have that. And we're we're really depending on that. Yeah, no. Um we we absolutely are and and Tommy Hadavid said it the other day that um the Cubs later in the year might kind of use a six man rotation here and there, um and, and might really kind of manage the workload of those starting pitchers. So that's definitely something that I think we'll we'll look forward to. We'll follow along during spring training. Uh we'll talk about a little bit in the next episode that we end up doing here. Um so it's a lot of storylines to talk about yeah. going into spring training. There's going to be a lot of topics to talk about here. And it's going to be fun. Um, I'm, I think that wraps it up basically for our off-season debrief episode. Um, I think we covered pretty much everything that, that there was to cover in the off-season. Um, that if we, if we missed anything, I mean, sorry. But it's time to, yeah. time to put, a, put a sock in 2020. Look forward to 2021. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think there's some excitement to be had this year. There's definitely going to be some interesting storylines that we could follow along with. And welcome back, Jake Arietta. Oh, yeah. Number 49 back on the mound with that big glorious beard. Um, awesome. Well, uh, thank you to anybody who did listen to this or, or is listening to this. We appreciate it. Um, we hope that you continue to listen and enjoy this and i don't know just this can help you in some way enjoy the cubs like we enjoy the cubs so uh thanks everybody and we will see you on our next episode